the free for all roundtable round two on round two today, Sunir Chaudhry is here, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Robert Benzi, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star. Richard Krause, host of the podcast Last Call with Richard Krause. And Richard, I'll actually start with you because it's inarguable that, uh, I mean, people who are trapped, uh, it's always going to be a compelling story. Clock's ticking. It's like a film, but it's all too real. These are five actual lives. But then throw in the Titanic and, you know, everybody is pretty occupied by this and will be, um, you know, with the hopes of a rescue. But it's just a horrifying situation. It is. And I think people are also uh, so into this story and and following it so closely because there's a lot more claustrophobic people out there uh, than you might imagine. I'm one of them. And I became more and more claustrophobic as I got older. And the idea of being uh, in this tiny little vessel at the bottom of the sea that can only be opened from the outside, uh, there's no way out. Once you're in, you are bolted in. There is no way to escape this thing, not that being 13,000 feet down would do you much good anyway, uh, but you, you can't get out. And it is, I think, something that has fueled nightmares for people like me who are claustrophobic and just trying to imagine what could possibly uh, be happening in that sub right now. It just, it's beyond horrifying. And I hope there's a, a, a safe and happy ending to this story. But as the time ticks away, I, I'm feeling less and less hopeful. Yeah, Sunero, you don't necessarily have to approach it from a legal perspective, but I'm just surprised that with something as dicey as this, there's no backup plan. Yeah. And, you know, John, it, it wasn't clear how much, you know, was spent by these divers. And, and there was an explanation of like the type of tour that they were on, which seemed almost, you know, of course, vacation like that on um, the two hour sort of um, trip down to the ocean floor, you can watch a movie or you can have lunch, it, al- almost seeming as though this is just a uh, a vacation, and I, I we don't know the amount that was spent by these divers. At least I, I I I haven't seen it. But one would hope that when you're taking this type of extreme tourism, that the backup plan or security or rescue efforts would be part of that plan. Because I'm sure this is not a typical vacation. I'm sure tens of thousands of dollars have been spent by um, each of each of these divers to 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 actually have this experience. And of course, we're also seeing this huge global effort to, uh, on the search and rescue. Um, so it, it is amazing and astonishing to see that aspect of it, but not seeing the sort of backup, that, as you put it, um, by, the, by the company here. Um, I, I think that's going to probably play out in days to come. Well, the fact that the man who owns the company is apparently on board, Robert Benzie, I guess, you know, I wouldn't, I, I have to wonder what's going through his mind. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's, to, to Richard's point, this is really everyone's nightmare. Um, I, I keep recalling that space movie, Gravity, you know, Sandra Bullock, mm. uh, George Clooney movie about, you know, you're in a race against time, you're in a very small space in in very, very difficult environment. Um, it is it is a very, very compelling story, even though it is so scary. And we all are hoping that they are rescued and that there's a uh, happy resolution to this. But I, I agree with Richard. I don't I'm not really sure this is even even if they I mean, they locate this thing at the bottom of the ocean, they've got to get it up. And that's not and that's not an easy task. And 
it's it's yeah it's just a it's just a nightmare scenario i was busy with a bunch of things and i was off the grid yesterday came back and all of a sudden i thought well that's the end of justin trudeau and the liberal government the rcmp had announced they were investigating the snc level <laughs> affair all over again and actually robert benzi you're in media so i'll start with you um this appears to have been as uh, my mother would say a pretty major cock-up Yes. Yeah. John, I think it was, as you were calling it earlier, like a case of broken telephone. And of course, in the days of in in the age of social media where everyone pounces and makes snap judgments, you know, it was it was they were writing the obituaries for the prime minister. And of course, it turned out to not be as advertised. And I think it's a it's a major uh, snafu on the RCMP's uh, bit. But maybe it's it's not really up there with burning burns and some of their other talk ups (laughs) over the over the in their history. So, yes. Some of us are old enough to remember the burning barns. Uh, and yeah, we don't have to dwell on something that didn't turn out to be true, Richard Krauss. But at the same time, I think we need to highlight that somewhere along the line, things went south. And I'm still getting messages from people this morning. Why aren't you talking about the Trudeau scandal? Because it was a fake story. Well, and that's the issue here. That's the issue with only getting your news from one source, from uh, only seeing things on Twitter and allowing the top of your head to pop off because it makes you so (laughs) angry without doing any other kind of research, is that once something like that is out there, that's what sticks in people's minds. The retraction, the uh, correction of the story rarely gets the same kind of traction as uh, the original disinformation. And so you're going to get those messages uh, all morning, or you've been getting them all morning. Mark Tuwe will get them after you. Vasi will probably talk about this. Rushmi will get them later. And then it will coast into the evening and Jim Richards will still be getting texts asking why that we're not talking about this story. And the reason is it's a non-story, but people don't, uh, that doesn't register with people as heavily as as the original headline does. Yeah, Sunira, the velocity of me Media, both conventional and new these days, is such that stuff that isn't true can easily end up being amplified for a good long time. Yeah, you know, I think um, many people are headline readers now, like to Richard's point, and people don't go to the article. And even if they did in this case, I mean, it was a fake story, but people are reading headlines, then they're talking about it. I mean, uh, just just uh, less than two months ago, we all saw that that those deep fakes of Trump being um, arrested and like dragged in Manhattan, and all that was a huge fake story. We all, so I saw like some kind of legitimate blogs carrying photos of Trump being arrested like on the street and i and i heard people talking about it saying did you see the way trump got arrested and it was all over twitter so this is a perfect example of how photos uh the the use of deep fake technology now too just amplifying fake stories um and ai also is sort of amplifying stories that are not real in a way that I think, I think that amplification is even exponentially greater now than it would have been even a year or two ago. Richard Krause, you and I are both fans of horror movies. I always love that mm-hmm. moment where uh, the woman who's been chased around stabs the monster in the eye, and then she sits <laughs> and breathes deeply and cries for a while until he sits up again. That is Maxime Bernier. And apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently yesterday's defeat in a riot that he actually had a hope in has not convinced him yet to disappear. And maybe it's just because he loves campaigning and he likes rooms with people in them. 
Well, and and probably whatever money is afforded him by making personal appearances as the head of a party and, you know, all that sort of thing. There's there's something uh, that's very addictive, I think, probably about being paid attention to uh, for someone like him when you are out there and uh, the photograph that goes along with the Toronto Star story today um, sees, you know, uh, him talking probably to a reporter and there's people all around him with cell phones taping uh, everything that he's saying. Uh, and and there's something uh, about that that is very, very attractive uh, to someone who who feels that they have a message that they have to get out there and they're an underdog and they want to fight and get this story out no matter how many times he loses these elections when you you know essentially create your own party you can i suppose stay as the head of it for as long as you want but man this last night should have been the final nail in the coffin and i don't think it will be but robert benzie i guess i've often observed of small political cohorts that sometimes because they're three times as passionate about something Thing, or three times as loud, they think they are three times as numerous. Uh, so he does have his followers, it's just not many. Exactly, John. It's a, it's a cult uh, um, uh, of personality. And uh, there are, I mean, Mr. Bernier, it's, it seems hard to believe uh, looking back, but only in 2019, he came within a few, a few votes of winning the conservative leadership. It, 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 Andrew Scheer just narrowly defeated him. Um, so he was a mainstream figure then. He's not anymore. He's a fringe figure now. And he's a nuisance to the federal Tories because he, you know, takes a few percentage points in, in a bunch of writings that they feel that they could win if he weren't around. But this thing is only it only exists as his job. It's a money making uh, operation for him. So he's not going to go away. I, I, why would he? Uh, he, he's, he, he, even though he did very, very poorly last night, uh, in, in Winnipeg, he's, uh, he's in Manitoba, he's, uh, you know, he's still still con- contest another by-election. We f- remember in York center in Toronto, he, uh, he ran in 2020, uh, and finished, I think fourth or fifth with 4% of the vote, fewer than 4% of the vote, like three point something percent. So it's, this is his job. That's it's a moneymaker. That's all it is. Okay, let's jump to another story, and this is the story of a man from Boston who decided, who knows why, to transit through Toronto on his way home from Brazil. And Sunira, he had they they swabbed the outside of his shampoo bottles, got a positive for cocaine, so he ended up going to jail for five days while they did lab tests. Surely it doesn't take five days, and if it does, I don't think that's an acceptable situation. Yeah, John, I I totally agree. The type of kit that was used in this story um, by the authorities to actually swab, um, I think, these shampoo bottles. Initially, it actually came back negative, and they actually swabbed the shampoo bottles again, and and the authorities say at the airport, then they, they, they were... Uh, tested blue, which is a positive for cocaine. Uh, and he, the way he recounts the story is that there were more and more folks coming to check out his belongings. I, I, it seems like he felt like they were they were cer- certainly looking for something uh, rather than there being actual suspicion, and that his family was called being told that he had five kilograms of cocaine and he was going to jail. So his story of what happened here certainly doesn't seem like he had due process. And of course, that kit that the the authorities at the airport would be relying on here um, wouldn't be a kit that would 
be reliable evidence, you, you know, used by the Crown going uh, down the road here. So it's absolutely, uh, um, I mean, it's error after error. And the story that this uh, man told about his experience in jail for those five days, the um, the, the fights that he saw broke out, the attempted suicide he saw, he said that he shared one bunk with two other inmates because there wasn't enough room for them. I mean, just horrific conditions. What a terrible story. Yeah, Richard Krauss, it's not exactly Midnight Express. It's not a Turkish prison, but uh, <laughs> five days awaiting uh, exoneration seems a bit much. I will never forget the beatings on the bottom of the feet from Midnight Express. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, it, it, listen, this is a terrible story. And I hear uh, stories like this, not frequently, but I heard another one recently where apparently someone was pulled aside and, and uh, detained for a few days because uh, one of the chemicals in one of their medicated hand creams mimicked gunpowder on the, uh, the the swab when they did the swab afterwards, and that caused him a considerable amount of problems. And, you know, I mean, it's terrifying as someone who travels a fair amount, uh, this kind of thing really freaks me out. Uh, but uh, this guy has a case. I mean, you know, that he spent five days in jail while they tried to find what they thought was five kilos of cocaine in his luggage uh, is uh, is not acceptable. Thank you all. Sunir Chaudhry, Robert Benzie and Richard Krause. Thanks to everybody for listening. Keep it right here. Mark Tui's in next for Jerry Agar. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.